Hi guys, welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast. Today, Giant Talk is joined by Sarah Schultz, Strategy and Communications Lead at Office Together. Today, Sarah is going to talk to us about her experience using OKRs from the good, the not so good and the bad. So welcome to Giant Talk, Sarah. It's great to have you with us for today's episode. Please can you start by introducing yourself to our listeners? Yeah, sure. It's great to be here, Carly. Um, uh, As Carly said, uh, my name is Sarah. I currently work for the workplace collaboration platform, Office Together, and I serve as our strategy and communications lead. Um, Prior to Office Together, my background is primarily in politics on the campaign side, and I do have startup experience um, at Scouted and uh, Recruiter.com, who acquired us uh, late last year. Thank you. And I'm sure we'll get into um, some examples of how you've used OKRs in in those startups and and, um, Office Together as well. So let's start by talking about your your first involvement with OKRs. How was this um, and what did you do? How did it come about? Yeah, sure. So um, as you might gather, my experience with goal setting and OKRs is very much um, at the early stage pre-series A team level, uh, which is really exciting because you're in on the ground level of um, helping companies reach their end goal and grow Mm -hmm. and scale. Uh, So my first experience with OKRs was with Scouted. um, And it had been about a year since we had last fundraise and a critical period for goal setting and revenue generation. And we introduced OKRs as a way to align the team against our company-wide objectives and help us stay hyper-focused on our goals at hand. Um, so yeah, and, and I was I was quite involved with the, with the OKR implementation process at Scouted. Uh, one of my strengths is my ability to see big picture, but also understand underlying tasks or micro-level needs of a project. And so I think I was the right person to work alongside our CEO and our CTO mm-hmm. to implement OKRs across the company. Uh, and we spent several weeks through, working through different versions and iterations, and it was really exciting mm-hmm. to see that first iteration come to come to life and uh, see how it really did rally rally the team around those revenue generation goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's good how you, you mentioned, obviously, um, different iterations, obviously, with OKRs, it's all about testing and learning and adapting, and especially being at you know, a startup and, you know, in, in your growth period. So that's, that's really interesting. Can you talk us through um, an experience with using OKRs being used not so well? I know we spoke and before we had our discovery club for the podcast, and um, you mentioned that you, you have experience with them not being used so well as you'd have liked. So can you talk us a little bit sorry? Yeah. Uh, so in my experience, there are a few different ways that OKRs can become burdensome or messy. And so doing the exact opposite of what they're intended to do for a team or organization. Um, and it breaks down to a few different um, sort of exa- ways, mm-hmm. um, you know, perhaps not being data-driven, um, using an OKR as more of a brain dump of projects, uh, not aligning uh, department goals against company-wide goals, uh, and not tracking cross-functional milestones or key results. So working cr- across different departments to really track um, what you're working through together. Um, and two examples that I can speak to personally are, is uh, one, an OKR becoming more of a catch-all for a project planning or department update. And the second, um, not incorporating cross-functional key results um, in a way that you should. Um, yeah, I'm happy to dive into both of those. So in terms of the OKR being used as more of a catch-all for project planning and departmental updates, uh, at an early ta- early stage team, it can be difficult to really communicate everything that you're doing or not doing. And uh, it's important to keep track of what's getting done. Um, and uh, I, this is an example uh, that I experienced at Scouted. Um, and and uh, I know our, our founder and CEO would be comfortable with me sharing this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, there was often times where um, we would have overly communicated different projects that we're planning or uh, different uh, different things we had on the table on our OKR side and not really focusing on the objective of, uh, objective at hand and not really paying attention to those key results. And, you know, part of what makes an, uh, an OKR so good or so successful with, uh, with project planning is how it keeps you just on track with with what you need to get done. And so by pulling away from that and keeping making it all messy, it just it, it detracts from from what we're it detracts from us being able to move forward. And so that's one example of the OKR not being used well. Um, the second is in uh, my current role at Office Together. So uh, we are on our third iteration of our OKRs right now. So in our third quarter of using them. Um, and in the first quarter that we used OKRs, something that we didn't do particularly well was incorporate cross-functional KRs. And so, you know, oftentimes with an early team where you, perhaps you have a department of one or two people, it, you know, department, departmental efforts can feel quite siloed. And so, and it's rare that a department department OKR that rolls up to a company-wide OKR won't in some capacity at some point in time require support from an adjacent department. And so mm -hmm. we've been intentional in this quarter, uh, particularly in making sure that we're identifying those KRs that really um, fall um, under two different department leads or two different departments uh, to make sure that we are keeping everyone accountable to what we need to do to get done. And I think just listen to those examples and, and you know, how it, it hasn't quite worked in, in one instance or another. Um, I guess it's not, you know, it's not a mistake. It's sort of how, how you rectify and how you, um, how you learn from them. So I think that, you know, it sounds like you've realised, you know, the cross-functional KRs and how important that is. So that kind of leads me on to my, my next sort of point in terms of um, team leader buy-in, I guess, um, did you or have you experienced any um, difficulty with, with, with buying to OKRs from, from different teams, especially with those having to work sort of cross-functionally? Yeah, so in my experience, I think the, the toughest department to get buy-in from is engineering and product. And um, often engineering, especially, again, I'm going to go back, especially at an early stage team, but really in any organization, um, engineering um, wants to be fast moving and have mm -hmm. this level of velocity that um, sometimes goal tracking and KPIs um, can really um, slow down. And so it, I, it was on me as the OKR sort of implementer to help the engineering team lead understand um, why this was important as a broader company goal and what it would look like and how it could be helpful and not and not and not be a hindrance to um, the product team or engineering team's velocity. Um, and so yeah, I, I think it was helpful for me in in being able to um, make a better case for OKRs um, to really help me understand and the team understand why OKRs were the right goal setting. Um, module for us at this point in time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I think it's in terms of finding team leadership buy-in, it's about um, really having the confidence to make your case and understand why you're implementing OKRs in the first place. Because if you're using OKRs just because you read about them and you think they'd be a good idea, um, perhaps it's not, it's not the right um, uh, you know, uh, model of tool tracking for you, for your company at that time. But, you know, if you're confident and you can make that case, I think other people are going to understand that and, and trust you and, and have that buy-in. Yeah. And I think, um, I think you answered my, my next, um, my next point. So I was going to ask, how do you overcome that 
sort of lack of buy-in or a bit of resistance but I think it sounds like it, it is just about um you know a, a huge part of it is explaining why you know the reasons why you, you, know, you, okay, you should be using OKRs um and having an OKR champion like yourself um in your team to, to really drive forward and 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 to um you know motivate those okay so let's talk about um OKRs being used well and, and being used um in the right way so in in your experience what helps this process um to be a successful successful one so using them now um where you are um in office together um how has that process been and is there anything that you've done differently to sort of smooth the process or is it a lot of it come down to you know prior experience what's your thoughts on that yeah great question so you know in terms of implementing a successful or successful OKRs um I think it really comes down to in my experience in three things um one understanding what's a critical data point to track two, thoughtful and intentional planning, and three, setting strong health metrics. Um, so I'll start with thoughtful and intentional planning. Um, so it's important to designate someone on your team, someone who's equally good about those big picture and micro observations and analysis, and have them create an initial set of company-wide OKRs and really serve as the OKR champion for your organization. Um, and that person can work with individual departments to really refine those mid-tier objectives and make sure that they're truly aligned with the company's broader goals, whether it's for the quarter or year or month or however you're defining um, your, your period um, mm-hmm. of, of tracking. Um, and that way, uh, you know, as there's like this cohesive um, unit working towards uh, those ultimate end goals and ensuring that the company uh, can accelerate towards those goals. Um, it'll take time and iteration and you won't get it right on the first go around. Um, and if you have to be critical, you have to be critical and open to change throughout the process. And so that's what I mean by thoughtful and intentional planning. Um, in terms of getting the data right, um, your OKR, or more specifically your key results, are not just a smattering of data points you're tracking. Uh, these are not KPIs, and it's important not to conflate the two. Yeah. Um, and these are separate, broader goal setting and tracking. This is a separate, broader goal setting and tracking exercise. And there are specific data points, be it leading or lagging indicators, that correctly track your success or failure. Um, of your specific goal, of your objective um, that you set ahead of the month or the quarter. And so, again, it's just important to uh, ensure that you're tracking those right data points. Um, And then in terms of health metrics, um, you know, there's a few different ways you can set up your OKR tracking. And one method involves setting health metrics alongside your objective and key results. And the health metric serves as a sort of guardrail. It helps you make sure that you're working towards your objective and not getting lost in like tunnel vision as you're working towards it. Uh, For example, if your objective is to increase the number of aligned MQLs or marketing qualified leads for the quarter, uh, your key results for tracking might be MQLs across different channels, uh, you know, X number from CPC, et cetera. And your health metric might be your CAC or cost of acquisition. Um, and because, yes, you want to bring in qualified leads that sales can close and you want to increase that number, uh, but you also need to pay attention to how much you're spending for each lead and what that cost to the company is and whether that whether or not that makes sense. So the health metric helps you stay on track and prevent failure or issues popping up in other areas of the business. Or, again, um, touching, uh, touching back to cross-functional um, capacity. So, you know, ensuring that you're not harming another area of the business. Right? This might be uh, business operations, for example, who, you know, may have gotten your budget ahead of time and is that is expecting you to, to spend a set budget. Um, so, yeah, those are the three things that I think I would work through. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. Um, obviously, the, the health metrics, and also um, you mentioned that you touched on, yeah, the differences. Um, you know, not getting the, your KPIs and, and your key results mixed yeah. up, which I think a lot of people do do, do when they first start looking. Um, plugging into OKR so I think um understanding the differences from the get-go I think will kind of help you throughout the rest of your process and of course as you go through your your iterations I think it will all sort of make a lot more more, more sense the further you, you go along mm-hmm. absolutely I wondered whether you have um going through in your current role or your, or your previous role at Scouted um you know, had any external support or, or expertise help you along the OKR, OKR implementation process? Um, you've spoken to various people in, in the past in podcasts and various um, prospects and clients that we talked to at Labour Giants that um, have maybe tried to implement OKRs after reading a certain book or a couple of books out there um, on the process and, and and struggled and then had to go um seek expert advice is that something that you have um have reached out for great question so i i did do plenty of research on my own before diving into okrs um while i was at scouted um i but i also sought out mentors and folks who had done it in the past folks who had both succeeded and failed um we didn't use any sort of agency or consulting firm um, to help guide us through the OKR process. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, our CTO had gone through this, gone through the OKR process with startups before. And so mm-hmm. he was, uh, he served as sort of like a North Star for us throughout the process um, internally. Um, but yeah, it, it was a lot of just understanding sort of like um, a research project, reading through case studies and, and talking with experts who had, like I said, got it, gotten it right or had, had seen um and see it not done well, mm-hmm. uh, and bringing those learnings into my own experience. Yeah, I think there can be the, um, I guess the the need or, or the want to to dive in and um, without doing that that research. But I think it's important to, like mm-hmm. you said, do, do your research. And I guess it, I'm lucky that you're. Um, was it CTI or C? Correct. Yes. Yeah, CTI um, had that experience and that and that prior mm-hmm. knowledge, so made the process a little bit smoother. Um, I wondered whether I would like to, to end the, the podcast with um, a lasting tip or piece of advice for our listeners. Um, so for anyone listening that might be struggling with their OKRs and um, maybe they're struggling to get traction or, or buy-in, um, what one, one tip or piece of advice would, would you give? Yeah, sure. So I think um, I'll focus on buy-in um, and mm-hmm. then um, with just my sharing my experience again with early stage teams, um, just because I think that's where I can speak to best. Um, so I've definitely been in situations where the executive team uh, was not keen on tracking OKRs or tracking against KPIs uh, even, uh, and I felt it absolutely the right time to do it. Um, and so as a department lead, I just took it upon myself uh, to handle that goal tracking for my team and align my direct reports um, that I saw it you know, to help them better understand our broader goals and objectives. And so, you know, at the end of the day, if you can't get buy-in, um, doing what you can for your team is always helpful. Um, but then, you know, I, I think it's also important to make the case wherever possible. Um, in my experience, um, not only working with OKRs, but also in working with um, early stage executives. Um, so sometimes you need to help them, the, the CEO or the founder, see the bigger picture and help them understand why this seemingly time intensive or time intensive or burdensome activity is actually good for their business and good for business outcomes. And the great thing about OKRs is that they are set in data. 
It's a strategic way to ruthlessly prioritize and ensure that everyone in the company is on the same page, working towards the same goal. And during times of turmoil or particularly tough times, so periods where OKRs might be introduced in an early team, um, the CEO can get lost in the weeds of the day-to-day or fixated on what's not working and usually not in a productive way. And OKRs are a great way to bring the CEO above water again and help them track what really matters. And so at the end of the day, it's just making the case that this is good for you, it's good for the business, and it's going to help us come out better on the other side. Yeah, I think I think it's a good tip, and I think the buy-in, the issue of um, internal buy-in, is is something that we hear quite often. Mm. Um, it's a struggle, and I think it's it's important to to make that case. Um, and I think having an OKR champion in in the organisation is 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 it's a strong place to be um, to be able to obviously champion OKRs and, and try and um, yeah get 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 buy-in at all, all levels and across the leadership team. So thank you. Thank you for being um, a great guest on, on Giant Talk. It's it's good to hear you know, real examples from people that have gone through good, the bad and the ugly, I'm going to say, um, and, and, have, and has that experience. Um, and it's been great to talk to you today. So thank you. No, thank you so much, Carly. And to you, our listeners, as always, if you have any feedback or if you'd like to get in touch with us at Giant Talk, you can email growth at therebegiant.com. And I'll see you again for another episode of Giant Talk.